Hey, this is Double J, Jeff Jarrett, WWE Hall of Famer, and you're listening to the My One Two Three Cents Podcast. It's my personality to be jittery. It's part of my charm. Wrestling fans, are you ready? It's time for my one, two, three cents of the podcast on the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network. Give me the hell yeah! Now, here's your host. The man is also a very long, dear, personal friend of mine. The guy have a name? Yes, he has a name. Kevin Huntsberger. Woo! Hey friends, Kevin Huntsberger here with episode 453 of the My One Two Three Cents podcast. I want to thank you for listening, checking out this week's episode, and I mentioned it, I guess, two weeks ago in preparation for the next couple of weeks that were coming up that uh, there was a lot on my plate, um, you know, all personal stuff uh, as far as like not uh, being to record on regular times and whatnot. So last week I did the wrestling under the influence and, and correlated that back to National Ice Cream Day. And then this week doing an ask my one, two, three cents and, and got a lot of questions, a lot of great questions. And I'll be getting to those in just a few minutes. I want to do some housekeeping here first. And um, I want to thank everyone who has been so supportive over the last six weeks now. Um, you know, uh, over the weekend, I'm recording this on Sunday afternoon. Uh, on Saturday, we did hold uh, the celebration of life for my mom. Um, and you know, it. the whole point uh, I think of, of an event like that is to, to get some closure. And I, and I did that. Um, I got up and spoke and, and talked and shared memories and thoughts. Um, but then, you know, today as, as, as I woke up and, and processed and was thinking and stuff, it, it really hit me hard. It hit me hard yesterday as we were leaving my dad's house, um, as well. And, you know, I, I don't want to dwell on this, but I do find that this podcast gives me an opportunity to just kind of talk and not have to worry about what I'm saying because it's not a real conversation. So, um, you know, grieving is weird. It, it, it's, it's such a weird thing. Um, but I, you know, we'll get through this and, and we'll, uh, do things, uh, in, you know, in the coming weeks and months in, in memory and in honor of my mom, um, things that I know that she would have been proud of and continued to do things that she is proud of. Um, and that includes, the My One Two Three Cents Wrestling Figure Drive, uh, which is going on Christmas in July. Um, if you drop off, if you live in Southern Illinois and drop off a new wrestling figure or wrestling-related toy at Castle Perilous in Carbondale, Illinois, and the information is in the write-up for this podcast, um, they're giving away um, a free Hero Clicks toy. I don't know much about Heroclix. I'm on their uh, Twitter, and it looks like they've got some pretty cool stuff. So, uh, again, if you drop off at uh, the Castle Perilous in Carbondale, Illinois, um, this month, the month of July, you will get uh, one of these free toys. And I really do appreciate working with Castle Perilous and, and their cooperation with this and, and 
kind of having a, a tag team partner of sorts, and of course, Stride Pro Wrestling. Um, the folks there have said that uh, they will collect toys as well. So if you take uh, toys to the Stride shows, let me know that you're going to do it, and I will make arrangements to get them picked up. But I know that Stride has a show called Heatwave coming up on Saturday, August 5th. So be sure to check that out as well. Um, and if you are interested in the training, they are still training uh, on Tuesday and Thursday nights from 6.30 until 8.30. So there um, are opportunities to step in the ring and, and, and live out your dream. And it's not just for wrestlers. You know, a lot of times people ask, oh, I just want to be a manager. I just want to be a referee. You know, that requires training too. And it's, it's you know, don't undermine, not undermine isn't the right word. Don't underestimate uh, the work that a referee does or a, a good manager. And we're going to talk more about managers a little later with one of the questions that I got. A really good question and going to do a deep thoughtful dive into it, or or at least I, I hope to accomplish that um, with this. So um, that being said, I do want to thank everyone again for their support through the years uh, of the My123Cents brand and of me, you know, personally. Um, it has meant a lot, and I'm uh, excited to see what uh, the future holds for the brand and, and for the podcast and, and everything that's out there. So uh, I encourage you again, if you haven't already, to like and follow on social media platforms out there. Um, you can follow my personal brand or follow the My123Cents brand. Um, it goes a long way, again, um, in helping get things out there. And, and if you would be so kind as to leave a review on your favorite podcasting app, wherever you're listening to the show. I understand Stitcher is going away. So uh, wherever you're listening, please leave a review, um, hopefully five stars and, and kind words. But if not, I understand that as well. Let me know uh, your thoughts. And, and hopefully in the next couple of weeks, uh, I can get uh, back on track with some guests and some fun things and, and doing some more fun stuff here uh, as well. So uh, I do want to get to the questions. And again, thank you for submitting. Uh, Tyler Adams asks, do you think AEW's oversaturation of booking shows in Chicago will hurt them in the long run, despite it being a big wrestling town? Um, I don't think so. I think that AEW continues to look for ways to uh, grow its brand, which is obviously something that needs to happen. They have come a very, very, very long way in just a few short years. And I know that, you know, I prefer WWE to AEW, but I think that wrestling fans that we can watch and enjoy both shows or watch Ring of Honor or watch um, Impact Wrestling or MLW or the indie stuff that is going on in your own hometowns and, and support it all. You know, there it's not an either or. I go to a restaurant and order a Coke and they're only serving Pepsi. Well, diet for me. But I'm going to drink a Diet Pepsi. I'm not going to then refuse and, and drink wine. And I know some people have different tastes and preferences and whatnot. But uh, to me, as a wrestling fan, I'm going to support uh, all wrestling. And, and, you know, if they are able to do things and, and be successful, um, and, and by all indications, AEW continues to be successful as uh, the Turner Networks have added a third show in, in uh, a Collision here very recently. So I don't think that, you know, they're going to hurt anything running in Chicago. It's kind of become their unofficial, um, you know, 
home base, if you will, um, much like WWE and Madison Square Garden was back in the day. So um, I think that if they continue to work and develop and grow and, and take that show, uh, I'm very curious to see what happens next month in August at Wembley. Um, I think that could be the start of something big internationally for AEW, which I think it needs. I need It needs to have that global touch to it as well. But, you know, uh, again, I don't think anybody's expecting WWE to go out of business and be overthrown by AEW. And I, I don't think AEW fans think that's going to happen. And I don't think WWE fans are, think that's going to happen. I think that we should all just kind of sit back, watch, and enjoy as many shows as we can. And uh, again, I don't have cable. I cut the cord a while back, and that kind of takes me to Hunter Woodworth's first question, um, which involves uh, what I've been watching. What wrestling have you been watching recently, and what do you think of it? You know, uh, I watch a lot of highlights uh, on social media. I don't, uh, you know, I I do watch... uh, um, WWE premium live events that come on the network. I'll, I'll watch those. Uh, but I don't spend a lot of time watching because I don't get Raw or SmackDown. Uh, even though I don't have cable, I don't... Uh, our antenna here is is not very good, so I don't even pick up Fox. So, all that being said, I, I watch a lot of, uh, you know, either TikTok clips or clips on YouTube or Twitter Um and so I'm not seeing everything and I'm not necessarily getting the stories, but I, you know, watch both. I, I watch AEW and I'm watching WWE. So it's not, uh, it's not like a conscious, I, I'm, I'm done with wrestling and I, I'm not watching it anymore. It's just a uh, inability to tune in because of the circumstances that I uh, have with cable or not having cable and and just streaming things so but yeah i i do i do continue to watch and and i think that uh you know like i said earlier the future uh, continues to look bright for professional wrestling and and you know um the saying um what is it high tides raise all ships or however that goes i i think that that is is true in in this industry and and we can enjoy a little bit of everything Ursula Imbrick asks, uh, out of the higher backs that Triple H made within the last year or so, who do you think has made the biggest impact and anyone you think that is disappointing? Um, you know, I, and I'm trying to, and I should have gone back and, and done a little more digging on this question because I'm trying to think of the of the people that came back um, who has had a big impact. I don't know that... And I feel like someone may be right there under my nose that I'm missing. Because I don't think, if I'm remembering correctly, LA Knight has been there all along. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Chelsea Green, actually. Uh, she just, uh, with Sonya Deville, won the uh, WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. Um, you know, I feel like she kind of went away and, and with the help of her husband, Matt Cardona, uh, kind of re-energized her persona and, and interest. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Matt Cardona back in WWE at some point, just based on some things he has recently said. And I know that he's enjoying life on the indie scene, but he said something about always wanting to be, his dream was to be a WWE superstar. So uh, keep an eye on that situation because I think in the next year or two, we'll see him back in a WWE ring. Um, 
You know, I don't know that Cody Rhodes counts as a hire back. I don't think he was hired back by Triple H. I think Vince McMahon was still there when Cody came in. So I'm going to go with Chelsea Green for right now. And please, folks out there listening, correct me if I'm wrong on this. Uh, Disappointing, you know, Bray Wyatt, I I was uh, disappointed to see him come in and then kind of go away again. and, And I guess there's talk that he'll be back, but we haven't really seen anything. And uh, his time there was was pretty short-lived, so I would like to see something with him. Karrion Cross and, and Scarlett Bordeaux, I feel like could have been and, and should have been uh, more impactful, pardon the pun. Um, I know they're doing some things with, with, with uh, those two, with AJ Styles. Um, I liked the Killer Cross uh, character in, in Impact Wrestling, and I liked what they were doing with Karrion Cross in, in NXT. So I guess we will wait and see what happens and, and what becomes of and, and, and develops with, with him. But um, those are a couple uh, of disappointments. I know Braun Strowman recently was injured and, and is not, uh, not sure when he's coming back. But, I, you know, I, I feel like it is a crowded uh circle, if you will, and, and not everyone's going to come back and, and be at the top of the hill. So um, I think being patient and, and enjoying and, and watching and seeing where these superstars land, uh, you know, and especially with talks of, of Randy Orton perhaps making a return here soon um, after he's been on the shelf for probably about a year now with, with an injury. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where everybody kind of lands once the dust settles uh, in WWE. Zachary Stram, the uh, artist formerly known, or I guess still known as Duke Randall, asks, how would I book a six-match card blood sport rules between these 12 men, all with any program backgrounds in wrestling, I'm sorry, all with pro-am backgrounds in wrestling and mixed martial arts, all are in their prime. Who would you go? Who would go over in each of this match? Is straight shooting. Now there are, are individuals on this list that I do not know, or I don't recognize, or I've not seen enough of them uh, in action to make a determination on. For example, Bass Rutten, or uh, again, I, I I don't even know, and I'm probably butchering the names. Uh, Don Fry. Uh, I, I never really saw much of Luthez in his prime wrestling. Vern Gagne, by the time I started watching Vern, was uh, you know running the AWA and, and getting in there and wrestling very sporadically. Uh, George Hackenschmidt, I've of course heard of, but I, I never saw, uh, as well as Frank Gotch. So I, I'm going to take some of these out um, and include the names, some of the names that I remember. <clears throat> You know, he's got a list of 12 here, uh, including Dan Severn, Ken Shamrock, Brock Lesnar, Matt Riddle, Kurt Angle, Shelton Benjamin, uh, and then the the ones that I mentioned before that I wasn't as familiar with their work uh, when they were in their primes. So um, I'm just going to throw together some matches right here. Uh, Brock Lesnar, I mean, God, he is, uh, as Conrad Thompson would say, uh, like a sore Peter and hard to beat. He is... I feel like with Brock, and I, I'd love to see Brock Lesnar and Ken Shamrock go at it um, and see what those two uh, could do. Because um, uh, Ken Shamrock was, you know, as JR would say, tougher than a $2 steak. But I think Lesnar's size and power 
Um, unless Kenny went in early and, and attacked and got a vulnerable spot, I just see Brock Lesnar being the man through all of this um, and, and just so hard to beat. Um, I love me some Matt Riddle, um, you know, see him in there and, and um, you know, Dan Severin is, is, is a tough one too. Uh, but just based on my admiration for Riddle, I'll, I'll put Riddle over uh, on on. Dan Severin, um, and that leaves Kurt Angle and Shelton Benjamin. And I don't know if they ever wrestled each other uh, back in the day, but I think that you know they were part of of Team Angle, of course. But Angle, man, again, that would be a tough one to call. That would be a that that's probably of of these three uh, potential matchups for me. It'd be the hardest one to call a winner on. But I I would probably go. Um, you know, if 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 it's straight shooting, uh, and we're not, uh, uh, you know, giving anyone, uh, uh, you know, instructions to work here, uh, a slight slight edge to Kurt Angle, but again, man, I'd love to see Shelton Benjamin go in there and just tear it up and and dominate, because um, I, I know he has uh, a very rich amateur background, so. Um, but also, you know, wouldn't mind seeing, uh, Brock and, and, uh, Shelton go at it as well. I know that they wrestled together back in the day, um, and they were a tag team at, at one point as well. So it'd be awesome to see, uh, Hunter Woodworth wants to know another thing. He's got a couple questions here, so we'll be getting to him uh, a couple times throughout this podcast. Will I be watching the new Barbie movie? Uh, yes, I actually suggested it to my wife and kids the other night. That we go on Tuesday because it's uh, cheaper dollars or cheaper movies. My wife already has plans, and the kids looked at me like I had something growing out of my head. So uh, I may not be going to the theater to see it, but uh, I will stream it when it's available on streaming services. Jamie Woodworth Myers, Hunter's mom, asks, "Will I ever see you at a stride show again?" Ah, uh, I never say never. But there are no plans uh, at this time for me to be involved or, or back in any capacity. Again, this year has been such a strange year for me in, in terms of, you know, maybe it's partly turning 50, losing my mom, and just kind of reassessing things and, and looking at life uh, differently. You know, I'm, uh, I would say on average, I'm probably. 15 to 20 years older at least than most of the people that are involved with stride pro wrestling and and that's not a bad thing but it's just i'm in a different place in my life and i i I don't have the the free time or the uh, sometimes even the desire to to do that so I would say it'd be more likely to see me there in the capacity of, of a fan watching the show versus being involved in doing something with the show. And again, that's I love those guys. I support them in every way. I mention them every week on this podcast, and I'll continue to do that. But you know, for me right now, just where I am mentally, I just I, I'm not. I'm not there yet, and and I don't know when I will be. I you know I've been invited to come uh, to a few shows since since leaving in a, April, but I just haven't been ready. And so you know, time will tell. But I, I again, never say never because 
after I wrestled Roger Mathis in 2018, I said I was done, and I ended up wrestling seven or eight more times. So um, never say never, and and we will uh, kind of wait and see where life takes us and takes me, and if the opportunity is right. Because that's the other thing is, you know, I know Asa Gray has been doing commentary, and I know uh, Sam was doing some ring announcing, and they were looking at some other ring announcers. You know, I don't want to come rolling back in there and uh, take someone's spot, if you will, just because it's, you know, I want to come back. And so that's something else that I will factor and take into consideration. Uh, One more from Hunter, and he asks about uh, a wrestler named Nick Wayne, who uh, at 16 wrestled Swerve Strickland. It's their first match in the trilogy that he has sent me um, and asked if I what I thought of Nick Wayne and if I'd seen him wrestle. I have heard of Nick Wayne and, and I know that he just did some stuff with AEW and I've actually, Hunter sent me that first match in the, in the trilogy with Swerve. Uh, this is a blind reaction. I am going to watch this. Uh, this is from Defy Wrestling and I'm not going to watch the whole thing because uh, it's a 30 minute uh, match but uh, I do have it loaded up here, and I'm just going to give you some some honest thoughts because, again, at 16, I, I know most wrestling schools, you have to be 18, um, 17 with uh, parents' consent. Uh, but I'll tell you, you know, watching this, again, this is Defy 50 from February 26th, 2022. Um, and, you know, he looks like a, a kid in there, but, again, kudos to him having the balls to get in there and, and do this. Uh because listen, wrestling is not easy uh, by any means. You know, I getting out there and even being uh, an adult and being trained to do this. I know that uh, the guys that I've worked with with Stride and and, and even in AEPW um, had nerves and and you know were in there and doing things and and you know you are one you're trusting you're putting your trust in someone that they're going to help you take care of you, make you look good, or at least not make you look bad. Um, But then that's also supposed to be reciprocated. You're supposed to not hurt your opponent and help make them look good or, again, not look bad. Um, That's a lot of responsibility. And at 16, I can't even imagine that. You know, at 16, my biggest worries were, am I going to uh, you know, find a date for this dance, which the answer was no. And, you know, what am I going to do after work? Or, you know, am I going to finish my chemistry homework tonight? And usually the answer to that was no as well. So, um, you know, again, kudos to this kid for even getting in there and, and, and trying this because, uh, and in in front of a big ass crowd, you know, this looks like a, a lively crowd, a big crowd. Um, on, on the Defy YouTube channel. And, uh, he looks like, I mean, he looks comfortable in there. He looks confident. Um, I've not seen a whole lot, you know, they're doing a lot of, um, I guess what some pundits would call the acrobatics of it, you know, a lot of running and jumping and flipping, um, which I think there's a place for all of this in wrestling. I think that wrestling, you know, uh, we as fans, sometimes gravitate more towards the things that we like and appreciate. You know, for me personally, uh, I don't like the hardcore stuff. I don't like the blood and guts and 
uh, light tubes and thumbtacks and, and uh, weapons. Just not, not my bag. But I know that others like it and there's an appetite for it and people want to see it. And so, uh, you know, I think uh, they've quoted Dusty Rhodes as saying, you know, wrestling is like the circus. There's something for everyone. You have the lion tamers, you have the clowns, you have the elephants, you have the tightrope walkers. Um, and, and that's how wrestling is and, and, and can be and should be a good wrestling card. You know, you have sometimes the silliness and, and the, the quote unquote entertainment side of it. And then you have some straight up uh, wrestling, you know, real catches catch can wrestling and then you maybe have one of those hardcore matches and then you have uh, a women's match and and maybe you know back in the day the attractions with with uh uh you know back then it was called midget wrestling but you have those kinds of matches as well um but yeah i i think that nick wayne you know my biggest uh, i don't want to say fear or concern but you know when when wrestlers get in there at a young age, they're obviously going to get better with time, but they also, uh, depending on the risks that they're taking, um, and I think a lot of today's wrestling, a lot of today's wrestlers are taking a lot more high risk because the the crowd's threshold and, and expectation has increased so much. And I don't think that that has to necessarily be the thing. I don't think you have to... Um, be dangerous and and I guess dangerous is a matter of of perception you know whatever you're putting yourself in those situations and you know if you are trained and man he just took a big kick to the head and fell out on the floor backwards um but again I I I think first and foremost as long as he is is properly trained man and there's another kick and uh you know he's in there doing his thing. And I know, you know, obviously this was a year and a half ago. He's not 16 anymore. Um, but I feel like there's, you know, that potential, obviously for anyone, for any injury, you know, we see guys doing all kinds of crazy stuff and they don't get injured at all. And then someone breaks an arm or breaks a leg or, you know, with a simple move. Um, so we've seen that happen time and time again as well. So, uh, Hunter, to answer your question, uh, from what I've been watching for the last few minutes, he's, there's a lot of potential there. And I'm, I know this again was a year and a half ago. I'm sure he has continued to improve and get better. That's, that's, you know, like anything in life to get better at it, you got to be consistent and put in the reps. And that's where I think a lot of times AEW, maybe, uh, some fans become a little more critical of what they see on TV because they're not, I know that their house rules events are, are going to help with this, but they're not getting the reps in like back in the day in the eighties, nineties, and, and really pre COVID, you know, WWE, they were on the road three, four, five days a week and were working in front of those smaller crowds at house shows and events and, and getting better. And I think that again, if you're an indie star, if you're wanting to be a, a wrestler and, and you're on that indie scene, you got to get in those reps. You got to get in there and do the work. Um, but there's no, like for me watching this, like I, I, because Swerve Strickland, I feel like is, is, you know, obviously working better. And, and there was a really good move here by, uh, by uh, Nick, but you know, Swerve looks like he's trained and, and, and is more of uh, uh, that wrestler look to him. 
but he, he doesn't, you know, Nick Gage or Nick Gage, Nick Wayne does not look bad in there with him. Now, if this was a match against maybe Brock Lesnar or the Big Show, uh, you know, I would look at this as more of an enhancement match, but I feel like he is keeping up and, and he is doing uh, things in here that uh, that make him look good, that make uh, Swerve look good, and Swerve is doing the same thing. So uh, a lot of potential here, and I'm sure, uh, you know, the future is bright for Nick Wayne. So uh, sorry, I'm, I, I didn't, like I said, I, I didn't watch the entire match, but I, I, I've seen enough of him to uh, not think that, He's not going to go somewhere uh, in the wrestling business. So, Hunter, thanks for that question as well. I think I'm looking here. I'm, I'm making sure that I got everybody except for this last question that I was saving. And it looks like I did get everybody. Uh, Gregory Townsend asks, what is my take on Harvey Whippleman as a manager? Did he ever really add anything to his wrestlers? This is a great question because this takes me back um, to the 80s when wrestling managers were such an important part of the show, I think. Some of my fondest memories are of the managers and not just the wrestlers. You know, when uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan or Jimmy Hart or Slick or Mr. Fuji, uh, Classy Freddie Blassie, Captain Lou Albano, Elizabeth... You know, the, all of those managers were kind of running around at the same time. And I know Slick eventually replaced Freddie Blassie as Blassie retired. But there was an, a, a boom there where it felt like every heel or just about every heel had a manager. And I know Harvey Whippleman, you know, he got his start in uh, Memphis. I think if we watched Young Rock or if you watched Young Rock, uh, you know, he was he was there as, as downtown Bruno. I remember reading about because we didn't get... Memphis wrestling or or any of that, um, you know, back in the day and the Southern wrestling stuff didn't really see much uh, of him uh, on TV, but I, I read about him in the aftermags. And then it was in uh, 1991 when uh, Harvey Whippleman shows up and, and kind of comes in. And I think the first time I remember seeing him, it was right before I left for college. And he was on with... Uh, uh, Big Bully Busick. Um, and Big Bully Busick was kind of, you know, I think he was one of those guys that was uh, an up-and-comer in the South as well. I didn't see much of him on TV, but had read about him in the magazines, but really kind of floundered and flopped in WWE. Um, you know, and then Slick eventually became Reverend Slick and and, and turned good, and Harvey Whippleman, to me, Harvey Whippleman felt like a, a imitation version of Slick. And, I, and I, that's probably not a fair assessment, um, but I never, you know, I know he managed the Warlord. I know he managed Kamala briefly before Kamala then eventually turned face as well and, and uh, was managed by uh, Reverend Slick. Um, I think he was there with with Sid Vish or Sid Justice when after Sid turned um, on Hulk Hogan, Mr. Hughes came through, the Giant Gonzalez came through, Quang the Ninja, uh, the tag team of Well Done. These are are some of the guys that that Harvey managed, and I don't think it's necessarily a Harvey Whippleman thing as as much as it is as a sign of the times. This is the early '90s uh, when, in my opinion, after I think after Hulk Hogan lost the WWF Championship to the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania 6, 
and, and, and the, the trend down probably started before this, but I think, you know, it really kind of started to, to spiral and the product just wasn't the same. I don't think, uh, for, for probably from about 90, 91 until really 92, it really ramped up. But I feel like in 90, you know, late 90, early 91 into mid 91, the bottom starts to kind of fall out. And then it really doesn't regain anything, I don't think, uh, really until 96 with the birth of the NWO, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, you know, we see uh, fresh angles and, and characters on WWE programming. We're getting away from the cartoonish stuff. So Harvey Whippleman was kind of caught in this era from 91 to 90, let's say 93, 94 on, on WWE where the product itself was down. And so the quality of, of, uh, stablemen to have was deteriorating. And so, uh, did he add anything to Sid? No, I feel like Sid and 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 Harvey, you know, downtown Bruno went back uh, back together and way back in the day and 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 had a relationship when they were in, in you know in Memphis and in Continental and all that. So I feel like that was more of a favor and not not necessarily a thing. You know, we never saw that Harvey Whippleman. Uh, managing someone on the level of Bobby the Brain Heenan, you know, he never had his Andre the Giant or Ravishing Rick Rude or Brain Busters tag team. Um, it was always, it felt like, with the exception of Sid, uh, it was just a lot of talent that was either, you know, Kamala by this point in the early 90s, you know, was not wrestling the same way he was when he was wrestling Hulk Hogan or the Von Erichs in, in the mid 80s. Um, so there was a different thing going on there for him. And then, you know, you got these silly Quang the Ninja and uh, Adam Bomb and more of these gimmicked, uh, it just, it was a different era. So I don't necessarily put, put all of it on Harvey, like I said. Um, but again, maybe if he had someone or maybe if he was able to kind of pull above, uh, above it all, uh, things would have been different. I know that he had a bit of a feud with Howard Finkel and did some stuff with him, and uh, he wrestled, or he managed uh, Bertha Faye, uh, and they beat, or she beat Alondra Blaze um, at SummerSlam, but uh, it, it really, you know, he eventually became a referee in WWE, and, and I think worked for the company for, for many, many years. I remember him being a part of the uh, Attitude Era when uh, Rick Rude left, uh, after the Montreal screw job, he came in and, and uh, was imitating Ravishing Rick Rude, he being Harvey Whippleman, of course. Um, but yeah, I feel like, and, you know, I think he might still be working for WWE as an agent or, or at least having some kind of relationship. And I know that he, uh, I feel like he was doing some work um, beyond the ring uh with Giant Gonzalez in his personal life. I think it was, it was either him or, um, Bill Alfonso that was, uh, helping Giant Gonzalez as well. So, uh, I, I don't remember for sure which one it was, but I, again, I, you know, I, I don't want to speak ill of anyone, um, or typically don't, um, Harvey Whippleman. I, you know, I didn't dislike him, but if I, if I were doing a, a top 10, uh, you know, WWF manager list, 
uh, unfortunately, he would either uh, be on the you know bottom probably two or three, uh, if not tenth, or he may not even make the list. I I I, I wouldn't uh, be able to do that without sitting here and, and writing it all out. But you know, the manager in in that era was also becoming kind of passe. Slick after he turned face, didn't stick around much longer, and was gone. Um, and really, I think for a while there, it was Harvey Whippleman and you know Jim Cornette was managing Yokozuna and and had Camp Cornette going on, and then eventually Vader and and uh, the British Bulldog and Owen Hart, um, and then Paul Bearer was over uh, managing the Undertaker on the face side of things. But there, you know, it was not that it wasn't the same. Things had changed dramatically. Uh, from that side of things as well. So again, not necessarily Harvey's fault, but uh, one of those guys that, uh, you know, as a manager, at least in the WWF, and again, I didn't see much of his stuff in in Memphis. So uh, in the WWF, uh, I'm pretty indifferent to what he was doing there. But uh, uh, again, think that maybe behind the scenes, he was doing a lot more that we didn't see and making a difference and, and being influential in that regard. So, friends, uh, that is going to do it for this week's uh, Ask My One Two Three Cents, this week's podcast. I do, again, appreciate everyone for asking questions um, and throwing them out there. And I'm going to continue to do uh, Q&As and, and answer questions and, and, and be more interactive in that sense. So, fire away, throw your questions out and I'll, I'll try to answer questions each week as, as I do a podcast. And then of course, collect a a bunch and and do and ask my one, two, three cents as well. Friends, thanks so much for listening. Have a great week and we will talk again soon. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. (laughs) 